part one of the eight-part series on wisdom, dubbed the World Spring of Wisdom. Part one of this series, let me begin with the introductory scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the verses 12 and 13, reading from the NIV. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. So he was considering three things. He turned his thoughts to consider wisdom, to consider madness, and to consider folly. That is foolishness. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly. Just as light is better than darkness. So the difference between wisdom and foolishness is like the light and darkness. Now, are you aware that if you are in your own room and suddenly the light goes off, you turn in the, in a moment, if you forget where all things are arranged in your room. Have you ever had a situation where you just, light goes off in your room and in a haste to put off some things, you run into your own tables you have sat there in the same room for years. But when the light is on, you don't make those mistakes. You don't run into those things. You don't crash yourself into things. So, what wisdom does that wisdom brings light for living into your life. So, and that is what we'll be sharing today. That's what we share. Let me begin by sharing with you today. Another, so this is the beginning, this introductory statement. I call the 12 prescriptions for wise living. The 12 prescriptions for wise living. Prescription number one. Prescription number one. Life is a journey back home. So make sure you are on your way home. Because any other way is hell. Life is a journey back home. So make sure you are on your way home. Because any other way is hell. John 14 and the verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Several years ago when I was... I was just around six years. My mother took me to visit one of her successful friends. And she used to do that because we're growing up under very difficult conditions. So once in a while, when she wants us to have a feel of the other side of life, uh, my mother went to Wesley Girls High School and had most of her um, friends become very successful in society at the time. So she would take us to visit some of these friends. Are the Wesley of uh, some of these friends who she went to Wesley girls with, and in this particular visit, on this particular visit, I enjoyed so much the house, good food, nice children playing around, and me playing with them. I was so excited and so happy, and then drinking Coca Cola, which was not easy to come by. You could. Stay the whole year and drink Coca-Cola during Christmas. 
And even Christmas, one bottle, they share for like 10 children. Oh, I remember one instance where we used to go with our hands like this. Then they pour it inside your hands, and then you drink it like this. But that day in that house, I drank like three bottles of Coca-Cola. So I loved the house. So when it was time for my mother to go back home, I just said I wanted to stay. So my mother left me to pick me up the next day. By evening, when all was said and done, and the play was over, and the Coca-Cola drinking was over, and uh, everything had ended, I missed home. Despite the fact that our home was, was a very small place, and this was a rich, big house at the time, I still missed home, started crying in the night. Around 9 p.m., I was crying, I want to go back home. I want to go back home. They, they did everything to stop me from crying. I said, no, I want to go back home. I want, I, it felt like me not sleeping on the mat I have been sleeping all this while. was, was it, it wasn't something I could do that night. I wanted to go back home. In that small room with all of us, with this mat, my mother used to put a lot of things on, on this for us to sleep on. With, with, with the insects that will bite you, the ants that will bite you. I didn't care. I wanted to go home. I, I said I wanted to go home. So finally, they opened the gate of the house and put me outside and said, go home. The only problem was that I didn't know where to pass. I didn't know the way home. I kept crying. And then finally, they came to take me. Took me inside. It was only when I realized that I couldn't go home myself that I agreed to stay with them. The next morning at dawn, I was up. I wanted to go home. So they themselves took me home. And getting back home was like, I mean, leaving that house to that small apartment we had rented. Not an apartment. It was a room in a home, in a house. I loved it. I loved coming back home. And it's something we call home sweet home. Most of us here, early morning we are off to work. But the sweetest part of the day is when we are coming back home. So early morning, you see on the Sprinters Road, the traffic is jammed. People are going home. They are, some are going to hustle. Some are going to work. Some are going to, I mean, to earn a living. And then in the evening, when you are coming back home, you, you, are, you see there's also a traffic jam. Because no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you want to get back home. It still will not matter. There are people whose offices have air conditions. There are cleaners there. There are security men there. And they stay in the office as security men in an, in an air condition. But when the office closes and they are coming back home to that kiosk, that little kiosk, when they get back home and they take their bath and they eat and they rest on that little bed or sometimes on the bare floor. They prefer, they enjoy. There's, there's something about going home. There's something about coming home. There's some, it doesn't matter how the, the building is. As far as it is home, it is home. You know, that rest you find, that love you find when you get home, you can't exchange it for anything. You just can't exchange it for anything. Now, life is also a journey back home. It's a journey back home. The real home is not a physical home that you go to. 
your real home is heaven. And, and, and when all is over, and the hustle is over, and all the struggles are over, and the pains are over, and the difficulties are over, there's only one place that you can have eternal rest. And that is that home called heaven. And every wise person, every wise person is looking for that way back home. It is only a fool who say in his heart that there is no God. But every wise person knows that one day, one day, the trumpet will sound. And those that, that are on the way home and still alive will be raptured. And those who died expected on the way back home will also be resurrected from the dead. And we shall meet the king of kings and the lord of lords. We shall meet the king of kings and the lord of lords. Are you here with me? So the first principle, the first prescription for a wise living is to find your way back home. Make sure you are on that way. And there's only one person who is on that way, who is the way, and that is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. Amen. You accept him as your Lord and personal Savior, and you are on your way back home. Number two, Listen before you answer because your responses can reposition you in life. Proverbs 18 verse 13 from the Good News Translation. Listen before you answer. If you don't, you are being stupid and insulting. Wow. I met different people and I know I can separate the wise from the foolish. When wise people learn by listening, they add to their learning by listening. They don't, they, don't, they don't answer before they finish listening. They process information. You are talking to them and they are processing the information because they know that one wrong answer can reposition them or one, wrong answer, one correct answer can also reposition them in a better way. So, one of the major keys you must learn in life is that don't rush to speak. And I'll show you soon. Don't rush to answer. Don't rush to provide answers when you are talking to people. Listen more and learn. Because the wise learn by listening. Your capacity to listen. Like today, we are here. Listen. Don't provide answers to what I'm saying. Don't, in your mind, be preferring answers to what I'm saying. Today is your listening time. Jesus was said he was the parent thought he was missing they found him in the church and what was he doing he was he was listening and asking questions at the age of 12 the greatest key to becoming wise is your ability to listen and ask questions amen number three number three please i'm okay be quick to hear but slow to speak because it is bitter when you have to eat your words. Be quick to hear, but slow to speak. James 1 verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. Slow to speak and slow to anger. You must be quick to hear, but slow to speak. Because see, your words create.
create your world. Whatever you say will create the world. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Wise people don't talk much. They are quick to hear, but slow to speak. When you meet people who like talking plenty, like talking plenty, like talking plenty, mark them. Mark them. They are foolish people. Wise people don't talk much. And when wise people are talking, they talk, they talk about principles, not, not, not about people. Okay. Number four. Number four. Number four. You are the creation of the content of your head. If you are not impressed with yourself, change what is in your head. Proverbs 23 verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you are the creation of the content of your head. I've said to you before, you cannot outperform your mind. Your mind creates you. You You are a reflection of what is in your mind. If you are not impressed with your achievements, if you are not impressed with the progress of your life, don't blame anybody. Go back to your mind, what exists in your mind. Right now in this COVID period, it is what is in the mind of the people that is separating the successful from the failure. Our response to COVID, everybody's response to this COVID is is traceable to the content of your mind. You will eventually become what you are allowed to occupy your mind. You go to school for four years and you learn accounting. You don't become a doctor. You become an accountant. You go to school for six years and you learn law. You don't become an engineer. You become a lawyer. What consistently you are fed with, you will eventually become. So by the time we finish with this eight-part series on wisdom, you should become wise. Okay? So if somebody wants to create you, if somebody wants to create you, all that person has to do is to get into your mind and fill you with a certain information. If somebody wants to make you um, a weed smoker, the person just has to keep telling you that weed smoking is good. It makes you strong. And it, it makes you intelligent. And it makes you one of the big boys. And it makes you, they'll keep pumping it into your mind. And then when your mind begins to accept it, you begin to act it. Are you here? I told you when I was in secondary school form four, my nickname was Chancellor. Because my mind conceived an idea of setting up a university. What my mind conceived, I have become. Are you here? What my mind actually conceived, I have eventually become. Protocol, here is full, so please bring people to the other side, eh? So they can be closer, they are not far from me. Oh, yes, yeah. do, do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So be careful what gets into your mind, because it will create you. Whatever you want to become, whatever you want to become, I'll come to look at it. Whatever you want to become, you must, you must feed it into your mind first. And as it's in your mind, it will create you. Think about sex and watch pornography and think about sex, you eventually become a rapist. Entertain the idea of stealing to become great, you eventually become an armed robber. 
Okay? Think about becoming a pastor and let it be in your mind over the years, over the years. And you begin to act it and eventually you will become. You are the creation of your mind and you cannot outperform your mind. Your achievement in life is a reflection of your mind. Certain people feel, we, I, we didn't get the opportunity. If we had the opportunity, we would have done better. I'm saying that if we're a good dancer, no matter the rhythm, you will dance. The lack of opportunity is a, is a sign of mental blindness. Because, in the, because your definition of an opportunity is an open door. But my definition of an opportunity is a closed door that I have a key to open. Okay? Good. Number, number, number five. Life is a race against time. Make sure you don't compete with humans. Life is a race against time. Make sure you don't compete with humans. Because human speed is slow. And if you compete against human beings, they will retard your velocity, velocity in life. Okay? So focus on time. Listen to me. You are growing. Now, now when Uze Bolt was running, he didn't go into running with humans. He went to run with time. Because he felt that he, he, he always wanted to break his own record. During, recently, during the London Olympics, there was food poisoning situation. So one of the athletes could not compete in one of the qualifiers. He was asked, when he recovered, was asked to compete alone. And he was to compete against time. And if he met, and three people were supposed to qualify from the group that competed without him. And if he beat the time and made a better time than any of the three, the one that made the worst of times amongst the three that were qualified earlier would drop. And the guy competed against time. And when he made the time, others were asked to drop. Are you here? So life is not a race against people. If you compete with people, it will retard your, it will retard your velocity. You must compete with time. After you here, the biggest question in life you must answer is, what are you doing today? And you do one of three things. You are either doing yesterday's things today, or today's things today, or tomorrow's things today. Those who succeed and break through, those who lead our world, are not those who are doing yesterday's things today. They are late in life. Or those who are doing today's things today, they are on time. But those who are doing tomorrow's things today, they are ahead of time. Wise people are always ahead of time. How do you compete against time? You compete against time with the speed of thought. With the speed of thought. That is why you must think on your feet. You must exercise your mind to think fast. Are you here? Now, number six. Number six. Life is war zone. Life is a war zone. Choose your battles well. Choose your battles well. Now look at the scripture. Choose your battles well. It is not everything you must waste your energy and your time and your resources on. Choose your battles well. It is important to reserve your ammunition for, for, for certain battles than just 
fight every battle. Now here, look at this scripture. Look at God himself avoiding a battle. Exodus 13, 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the way, on the, on the road through the Philistine country. Though that was shorter. I understand by Bible historians that this journey would have been 11 days, eh? 11 years. 11 days. But God did not choose that road. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So verse 18. So God led the people around by the desert. Through, by the desert road, towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went out of Egypt ready, went out of Egypt ready for battle. Now, now, can I show you something? Can I show you something? God himself avoiding certain battles. Years ago, when we in one of the World Cups, Ghana was playing very well. Okay, yeah, yeah, Ghana was playing very well. We beat some teams, and uh, we were in a group. If if we qualified first, we will avoid Brazil because Brazil will also be first. If we get second, we will have to meet Brazil. And whilst teams were playing to avoid Brazil. The Ghanaian players were interviewed. They said, oh, no, we are prepared for Brazil. We'll be there when we meet them. Oh, we'll be them. And teams were being tactical. Some teams played in a way to avoid meeting Germany. And some teams played in a, in a way to avoid meeting Argentina. Ghanaian players said, we, we are ready for everything. Eventually, we met Brazil. They beat us 3 And we were out. Oh, we were out of the competition. Because we were not tactical enough. We were not tactical enough. Listen, it is not everybody you must fight. It is not everything you must engage your energies and your thoughts on. There are some people, avoid them in your life. It will be better for you. Don't say, this thing I've heard, I will ask. I will ask. It won't matter. I will ask. Even if it is daddy. Me, I don't fear anybody. Even if it is daddy, I will go and confront him. It's the highest form of foolishness. To threaten that you can even confront your spiritual father is the highest form of foolishness. Now, some people think they are courageous. Eh? If you are courageous, go to the moon. <laughs> your, your, courage, your courage is inviting people and confronting people. That is foolishness. If you are courageous, do what me and mommy did. Resign from every, all what we were doing and came here. Didn't know, didn't know where food would come in the next, where food would come from. But we came. Amen. Are you following me? Okay, number six. Number seven, number seven. Number seven, number seven. Life has two doors. Open doors with long queues and closed doors with several keys. Don't waste your time in long queues. Okay? So in life, there are a lot of closed doors. Many doors are closed. Because everybody wants security. So the, the lot of doors are closed. But, but, and only few doors are opened. The doors that are opened, you need to queue. You remember the, 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 the story of Jesus being in a city? And then, and there was so much crowd and 
these guys who were carrying their friend who was paralyzed came and the door was closed and there was long queue and people no the door was open there was long queue and then they had to dig the roof of the building and drop their friend don't stay in the queue because because every closed door has a key hidden somewhere discover that key and it will open that door for you hear this proverbs 18 verse 16 reading from the god's word translation a gift opens doors for the one who gives it and brings him into the presence of great people the greatest key you have is the gift god placed in the inside of you that talent that ability that natural flair to do something develop it it will open a door for you it will take you before great men i thought i was talking to one of my sons in in geneva and is the third highest person in in, in an an international organization was having a chat with this guy and was telling me and this guy was a stammerer from a humble home the first time i met him was doing a conference in legon and he came to listen to me he said i want to be like you man of god i want to be like you my only problem is that i stammer but i just want to be like you i want to speak i said son you don't have to be healed from stammering to become a public speaker i said if you have something to say people will wait and listen to you just have something to say mommy and i went to visit his family in geneva his wife is doing phd in cambridge the cambridge or oxford and he's doing executive mba also in cambridge or oxford they bought their own house in geneva beautiful family and the testimony was this daddy remember you told me if i have something to say people will wait for me he said i still stammer i'm the third in command of of this organization i travel around the world to audit governments audit various governments that we are funding and when i go to a city I have to meet with the president when i go to a country i meet with the pre- he came to ghana recently met with our president say before the job starts or when we conclude we meet the president and we present our conclusion to the president and he said when we go and i'm doing a presentation and you see the president and ministers of state sitting down and he's a very young man who he's not even up to 40. and i'm doing a presentation and all these people are sitting down and i'm stammering and they are there waiting what could be said in 30 minutes I'll say it in one hour because I will stammer. I'll struggle to speak, but this people will be there. And then I remember, I always remember what he said to me. If you have something to say, people will wait and be patient and listen to you. His gift, his natural flair has overcome his natural disability and has ushered him to the corridors of the great and on the, the, the corridors of influence the guy is an intelligent auditor he said that when when he saw that application to take that job he he wasn't qualified but he applied but when the people saw his age and what he had done in a short time the consulting he has done across africa they called him and said listen you don't qualify for the job but we will employ you and after this number of years we will give you this job 
He said, no problems. He said, he got into the organization for a lesser position and in months, they looked at his work and they said, listen, take this job. We'll give it to you. Your gift, your flair, your natural ability will open doors for you. Are you here? We'll open doors for you. So don't stay in queues. Discover yourself. Go deep down in the inside of you. Look at what God has placed in the inside of you. Develop that thing. Develop that thing. Don't stay in that room and be bitter about life. And be bitter about how every door is closed to you. Please, please. The world is so full of bad people that people just don't open their doors. It is why you carry. It is why you carry that determines the kind of doors that will be opened for you. Are you here? And you can't blame God because God has placed in the inside of you keys to open several doors. Discover those keys. What I love about this God that I serve, that you see, the more I get closer to him, the more I know him, the more I know me because I was created in his image. As I get closer to him, I see myself. I see him in me. I see, I get to know more. One time the Lord said to me, when I was a very poor pastor and I was praying, and the Lord said to me, the breath of God in you contains everything you need to succeed. And that breath is in the inside of you. Amen. Number eight. Number eight. Life is a journey forward. The future is your only option. You can either take it or trash it. That is your cup of tea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God has dealt with your past. The only thing you have left is your future. What you do with your future is in your hands. For those of you who who have read my book on living your dream life, I dealt with how to see the future and create it. The Bible said the wise man has eyes in his let me, let me tell you something. Listen, listen, listen. The minimum average people, average people see in life, the minimum average people see in life is five years. If you see five years of your life ahead of you and you work towards it, you become successful, but you become averagely successful. Medium successful people, they see 10 years. But people who are truly successful predicted 20 years of their lives before it came. They saw the future and worked towards the future. If what you do today is influenced by a circumstance today, you are a failure. What you do today must be influenced by what you see tomorrow. What you see in the future. You must live tomorrow today. Where I go, who I befriend, who I talk to, the book I read, how I pray, how I serve God, how I worship God, is all influenced by what I see in the future. As a young boy in Nandabraka, the way I serve God, the way I carry chairs, the way I swept the church, the way people didn't understand, people actually questioned my sanity. How will you be up at 2 a.m. every Sunday to pray for your pastor? Are you the pastor of the church? And then go to the church and work for two hours, arrange chairs and everything, and fix instruments, and they pay you nothing. 
My future was driving that me. It was driving that. I was motivated by my future. I knew one day I'll be a pastor. I knew one day I will work as a pastor. And I was motivated by it. If people understand your behavior now, if they understand your behavior today, you are not a visionary enough. Because you see, you will be doing the direct opposite of what they expect you to do. They expect that this is what you are seeing today, so do these things. But you see, it is what you are seeing tomorrow that is influencing what you are doing today. So you are not like them. You don't behave like them. The difference between Kwame Nkrumah and those who fought him was that Kwame Nkrumah saw 50 years ahead, 56 years ahead. Today, what has kept this nation on light is the Kosombo Dam Kwame Nkrumah built. But when he was building it, he was ridiculed. He was mocked by his political opponent. People said it was a waste of money. But he was thinking 56 years ahead. He was thinking ahead. When Jesus was going on the cross, people thought, where will a 33-year-old man risk his life, preach these sermons, offend the system, and go on the cross and die for nothing? But Jesus was seeing us today. Jesus was seeing us today. That was why you were protected. My mother, my mother's commitment to me when I was growing up, I was, I was the most sick among his children. I was always sick. I was always sick. And I was in a low class school, secondary school within our community. My mother wanted to put me in at least a middle class secondary school. So she, she took me to this um, secondary school. It's now the best secondary school in Ghana. It's called Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas College. So my mother took me there. I was brilliant. First, first, first. But rich people have brought their children. I remember my father had just died. And my mother was in black, black, and in black chalewote. Bathroom sanders. And we walked a long distance. And we got there. And people were being interviewed. And you go and see the headmaster with your ward. Try to convince for admission. Then my mother took me in. And then the man saw my result. It was impressive. But he saw if I was in the school in our community. And I could go there. Well, he saw we were poor. Too poor to get transportation to come in. Why do you want to take your child from there? You know what my mother said? My mother said, this boy is the boy of my hope. Today I have become. Today I have become. Listen, your commitment to what you do today is determined by what you are seeing tomorrow. If your life, if what you do today is not driven by what you are seeing tomorrow, you are not a visionary. You are a fantasy chaser. Don't live for today. Live for tomorrow. Pay the price for tomorrow. Pay the price for tomorrow. Pay the price for tomorrow. And tomorrow will come to you. The future you don't create, you don't live it. Amen. Number, number nine. Number nine. Life is like a building. 
Make sure it has a solid foundation because you may not survive a collapse. When life collapses on you, you will not survive it. So make sure it has a solid foundation. I'm going to tell you, listen, listen to me and listen carefully. Those of you in churches that you go through problems and you find ways to blame your pastors, those of you find ways to blame people for your troubles, I'm going to show you something here. I have never, I have been in churches, I have served, I have never had a collapse. And I'll show you why I am still standing. I've been hit hard by storms, I've been hit hard by, hard by a lot of things, but I am still standing by the special grace of God. Look at this, Matthew 7, 27 and 20, 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and puts them into practice it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it has its foundation on the rock listen listen to me you cannot be in a church okay and call yourself a christian and not practice god's word and live a life of disobedience to God's word. Now, listen. You cannot stop the rains from coming down. You cannot stop the, re- the streams from rising. You cannot stop the winds from blowing. You cannot stop the, 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 the wind from hitting you hard and beating you. You cannot stop the storms. What you can stop, that you can stop its effect on you. You can stop the collapse. And the only way to do that, the only way to do that is to be, is to have a strong foundation in life. Is to build your life on the rock. And what is that rock? That rock is Jesus. And how do you build on that rock? It is by being obedient to God. Now, look. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, practical Christian living, practical christian living you are marrying your wife based on the bible not based on your culture not based on offense not based on her beauty you are marrying your husband not based on his handsomeness not based on offense but based on the bible what does the bible say about that situation no matter the storm that hits that marriage you will still be standing i'm telling you build that business on god's word it must, your life must be, must be based on God's word. You are not a pastor, but people should start calling you a sufferer. Because everything you do is in the Bible. You will not do what the Bible has not prescribed. The prescription of your life is based on the Bible. You are a Bible believer. And you don't talk the Bible, you walk the Bible. You walk the Bible, I'm telling you. I have seen storms. I have been to places where people thought that was the end of my life. But I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Why? The Bible. When I was on oxygen, they called mommy that I was not sleeping. They called some big people in the country that I had COVID and I was on oxygen and it was serious, and my lungs are not working, and I wasn't sleeping. 
So mommy came to the hospital, sat at distance. Say, honey, why are you not sleeping? I said to her, the Lord said I should study his word. How can God tell you when you are in oxygen and your lungs are weak? Will God tell you to study his word? I said, that is his business. He said I should study his word. I had all my phones on audio Bible and we were just playing. We were just playing. We were just playing. And you see the first seven days of prayer points I sent to you, I wrote them whilst I was on oxygen. One day I'll show you the picture of me on the oxygen. And I wrote them whilst I was on oxygen. Come and see me writing them. And, and so you saw that first January, you had a message from me. I was on the first, first January, there was a prayer point for you guys to pray about. And I guess some of you are assuming, so who is sending these things? Who, is, who has that these phones? You, you were thinking, it, it was me. It was me. Because God's, I mean, you see, I do everything based on his word. If you cut every piece of my flesh, you will find God's word inside. Because his word came to me and I ate them. They are like fire shut up in my bones. When I came, when I came back, mommy said, you are not preaching for three months. I said, if you want me to die, that will be fine. She said, why are you saying that? He said, me, not preaching for three months. For what reason? The word of God is like fire shut up in my bones. Listen, pastors that you call to preach for you, one hour before the, the time you call the pastor, can you preach for me? Then we come to the pulpit and said, um, praise the Lord, uh, I was just told to come and speak to you. And so, um, and he's trying to find an excuse for failure because he's going to fail. He's going to fail. It's not a career of God's word. Listen, when, when I'm called by my spiritual fathers to stand in for them 15 minutes before time, I will speak. You, you understand? Because I am, a, I, am a, I am a sermon, a walking sermon. <laughs> yeah! yeah. As, as, you see, all the time, I'm studying God's word. I'm reading God's word. I'm studying God's word. I'm reading God's word. I'm studying God's word. I'm reading God's word. I walk into mommy's room. Mommy's coming to preach. I walk in there. I look at the topic. I say, can I tell you something? He said, what? I begin to say, write these things down. I begin to give it to her. Then she's writing it down. Then she will turn around to me and say, honey, how did you get these things? He says, for the last three days, I haven't slept. And you walk in here and in, in in 10 minutes, you have solved this problem. Too loaded. With the word. Too loaded. So I always tell the witches and wizards in the church that you are wasting your time here. <laughs> because I will not collapse. Number, number 10. Number 10. Let me finish and I'll show you something before I leave. Number 10. Life is a journey of two. Make sure you don't travel alone. Make sure you don't travel alone. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. Let me tell you this. Productivity, productivity is multiplied when, when you have the right partner in your life. I'm telling you, everything God made, he made them two. Even when God destroyed the earth in the days of um, Noah, and had, what did he tell Noah? Everything you are taking into the ark, Take two, take two, take two, take two, take two. Because the key, the 
the, the hidden truth of multiplication is that it comes in partnership. It comes in partnership. Okay? The hidden truth. So in marriage, you need to marry a, a, a man has to marry a woman for them to multiply. Okay? In business, you have to find a partner that can help you multiply. In, are you here with me? In life, in life, to grow in life, to develop in life, you need a friend. You need a certain friend that does not just take from you, but also puts in you. You see, you see, loneliness is not the absence of people. It is the absence of meaningful relationship. Okay? You, there is always a certain thing that is missing in your life. Someone can fit it in. Don't, 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 someone must. Don't ever build a life and say, me, I work alone. I do things alone. It is my nature. It is my nature. I, I, I can't make friends. It is my nature. We are not asking you to go and get a crowd and be, now, now, if you are only happy amongst the crowd, you are not you, you are not spiritual enough. That is, your sense of loneliness is serious. That the only time you are happy is when you have a crowd of people around you. You don't need a crowd to be happy. You need yourself and the other self. The other person. There is always someone who walks into your life at a certain part, at a certain time in your life whose impact will transform your life. Every season of your life, there must be someone Anytime you see you are walking alone, you are in danger. When you fall down, who lifts you up? When you get hurt, who consoles you? Listen, don't, don't get friends who, who, wounds, who wounds your wounds. <laughs> are you here? When you are wounded, they come and wounded. You are looking for a friend who can heal your wounds for you. A friend who, who, who will be there for you. I, are you here with me? Do you understand? Okay, let's move to number 11. Life is like farming. If you sow the wind, you will reap the wild wind. Hosea 8 verse 7. For they have sown the, they have sown the wind, they shall reap the wild wind. Chaos. Every chaos in your life is as a result of something you did. If you live a careless life, you will mess your life your life up. Live a structured life. Hmm. I told you that there are about seven or five major questions you must answer in life. The why question. Why do I exist? Why did God create me? You must live for a reason. Where? Divine location. On Sunday I'll be talking to you about, about that. Divine location. God always locates you somewhere that is very important, where you must be at every time. I was in a service, then I prophesied about someone. Said the Lord said you should come for me to bless you, for me to pray for you. The person was at home. So they said, Oh, he's not in church, he's at home. So after the service, I asked the Lord, Father, why did you let me mention somebody who was not in church at home? He said he missed his location. You didn't give a false prophecy. He was in the wrong place at the time. 
So, Father, can I pray for him at home? The Lord said, no. It is finished. There was still going to be a blessing in that location for him. I said, if mommy and I had not come to Spinter's Road, we would not have gotten to where we have gotten to. Location is important. Where, Lord, where, are, where have you planted me? He told the Jews, I went ahead of you, in, ahead of you and sought for a place where you would pitch your tent. Hmm. Answer the question, when? Timing is important. How you manage your time is important. Answer the question, who? I've already spoken about partnership. Who is that person? Who is that destiny helper? So there are two people you, you, you may meet. A destiny helper and a destiny carrier. A destiny helper may be your friend. A destiny carrier may be a spiritual father God puts on your life. David, Joseph, was not the destiny helper of his, fam- of his brothers. He was the destiny carrier of an entire generation. Without Joseph, what God told Abraham would not have come to pass. Are, are you here? So you need to pray. There are some prayers that you need to pray. Father, send me my destiny helper. Send me my destiny helper. Okay, 12, 12, 12. Nothing in life is cheap. So don't start a thing before you count the cost. Nothing in life is cheap. So don't start a thing before you count your cost. I love Jesus. Because the man taught everything including strategy. Look at him. Luke 14. Luke 14, 28 and 29. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if they... If you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone sees it. Everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Hmm. Everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Listen, life is not cheap. Everything you do has a cost. Marriage has a cost. If you are not ready to pay the cost of marriage, don't marry. It will take. It will. It will cost you your independence. Cost you <laughs> a lot of things. Your wife will call you. Where are you? Come home right now. And you are telling your wife, "What? Why, why are you commanding me like that? You still want to marry? You want to marry in heart and be single in your mind? It doesn't work that way. For married, you are married. You lose your independence. You lose a lot of things." All these feminist women who are moving around saying, eh, we are, we, 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 we and the men, we are equal, we are equal. You are in the office, everywhere you are equal. At home, we are not. At home, I am your head. And you lose certain, you lose certain pride and arrogance when you marry. Well, God puts somebody over you as head. You take instructions and you follow the lead. Are you here? Do you understand? Everything has a cost. If you want to become a lawyer, it's costly. It's steady. Apart from the financial cost, it, you need life. You, you see, life is expensive. You must put something. It must cost you something. If you don't want to pay the price for success, forget it. You'll be a failure forever. I go to France with mommy and this immigration officer saw in my passport that I was over 50 and I was coming to France as a student. So, wow, you are still studying after 50? 
I looked at him. I was thinking, whoever marries you is in trouble. Because at 50, you, you will stop everything. <laughs> because even at 60, I'll continue to learn. I'll still continue to go to school. I'll still continue to do. Because there's always something new you need to learn. LSE, London School of Economics, they have a program called the Tran MBA. It's run by three different schools, and it is 300,000 pounds. 300,000 pounds. And attended by top, top, top executives around the world. These are already successful people. And you see Indian CEOs, Asian CEOs, top billionaires who are in their 60s. And who are still on this program. And it is rigorous. You have to travel across. If it's not because of COVID. Like my program I'm doing at LSE. I should be in India this year. Be in China this year. And then another program I'm doing in France. This year I was supposed to go to South Africa. And go to Brazil. And you. To get up in the morning in Bachona. And walk to Kotobabi to open your shop, Keke. It's difficult for you. <laughs> it's difficult for you. Just that one, oh, it's difficult for you. Today my head is aching. I can't go and open the shop. And then you are lying in bed. If you go home, look at your bed. You will see your body shape on your mattress. Because you are always sleeping. <laughs> Okay, so okay, let me conclude with this one. Let me conclude with this one. Now, I want to conclude with this one. The wise, man, the wise man's ladder to the top. The wise man's ladder to the top. Nobody gets to the top by mistake. Nobody. Don't, don't run down people's successes. Don't call them luck. Because luck does not exist. What exists is Grace. But grace is, is for everybody, but it's not everybody that responds responsibly to grace. So grace can be abused. God can give you grace and you abuse the grace. So, so don't be going around telling people, oh, wait, this is by grace, this is by grace. Oh, this one is, is by grace. Do, do, you think, do you think that if Joseph had slept with Potiphar's wife, the grace of God would have still continued to work? No. He had to be responsible because he knew the grace on his life. He had to be responsible. So don't be going around just rubbishing people's success and say, oh, it's luck or it's grace. This man is grace. So the person got grace and you go out grass. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, but Casa Casa Bibrino, O Krupan Hanya Yentia, O Krupan Hanya Yentia, and if I call your Oyo Boni and go in your Krupa. You get it? There are things that God, God, God is a matchmaker. Hmm. Okay, so let me quickly conclude with this. Number one, you see, how to get to the top in life, 
how to get to the mountain top in life, there are eight things that is involved. Eight things are involved in getting to the mountain top. Eight things are involved in getting to the mountain. The first one is information. First one is information. First one is information. Now, so so don't write all. When I when I talk about when I think about information, then you go to the next one. I taught you that listening is better than answering. Eh? So don't go ahead of me. Okay. This way you can even make the notes. After this, go to Facebook, watch it, and make the notes. Because the letter killeth. What you are writing is letter, it will kill. But what I'm saying is spirit. It will give you life. Okay. Now listen. Information. Information. Please listen. Choices, your choices determines your chances. And every choice you make is based on an information. Every choice you make in life is based on an information. I chose to marry mommy because someone told me, hey, this girl, she alone can stand on a park, a dangerous park, and have an all night. She lost her in the way. She's prayer. You see, based on that information, I made a decision. Everybody's decision is based on an information. That is why the source of your information is important. Who is talking to you? Who is advising you? Who is giving you information? Hear this. The information you receive will either deform your mind or transform your mind. Okay. Now, there are different sources of information. Academic information, while you sit in class, I'm telling you, you go to school, they give you information, they give you information, they give you information, it informs your mind and transforms your mind. So you have a child who doesn't know anything, walking around, goes to kindergarten, color red, color this, color this. The whole idea of that is to transform the mind of that child. If you have money, you take your child to the best schools in the world. You want the child to get the right information for mental transformation. I saw recently on Facebook in one of the village schools the children learning ABCD. And this boy was having the cane. And they are rating 1, 2, 3 out to 21. And 1, 2, 3 out to 21, he was standing there. And one, he says, A, the class will say A, B, B, C, C. That's what the children were learning, you know. This is deformation of the mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the deformation of the mind. It will destroy the mind. So you must know where you get your information from. Let me tell you my sources of information. The entrance of his word. Give it light. And give it understanding to the simple. I read the Bible more than any other book in the world. If I get up in a day, I have not read the Bible. Any book can wait for me. If I have examinations to write when I was a student, well, I go, I'm going to learn. I used to learn at Accra Poly. I used to go to Accra Polytechnic in the night to learn. We learn from the whole night to the morning. Then we go at dawn. We go to pray. When I go, one hour before I study, I'm reading my Bible. One hour before studying, Reading my Bible. Some people come and say, oh, you're overzealous. So 
instead of learning, we have mathematics tomorrow. Instead of learning, I noticed something that the entrance of his word gives me light and gives me understanding, gives me a light and understanding. So when I lay that foundation and I begin to study, it's just you. I can, I can walk into an examination hall. There was one day, one day I went to study. We we're going to write fixes the next day. And then I finished reading my Bible and I took the physics book to study. Then I opened the book and saw a diagram. And the Holy Ghost said to me, this diagram will come. And my human spirit said to me, but you have not been taught in the class, so it won't come. The Holy Ghost said, study it, it will come. I studied that diagram. You know, I photocopied it with my eyes into my mind. And I went to the examination hall. And then when I got there too, you see me and my big, big, big mouth. When I got there, I told my friends, this diagram will come, study it. They said, oh, they haven't taught us. I said, you guys should study it, it will come. They said, oh, they haven't taught us. Pim, the diagram came. Now, when I finished the exams, people said, uh, they leave the examination questions to me. I said, oh, I said, me, I'm a born again, spiritual, tongue-stalking believer. My source of information is the Holy Ghost. And it carried the most marks. It carried the most marks. I was going for an interview, the same school, Aquinas. After my mother has met the headmaster, they said, okay, I, should, I, I was studying for an interview. In the trough, trough from circle to, to uh, Osu, cantonment, I was reading my Bible. Reading my Bible. Like the way the uh, Jews do it, I was shaking my head like this, reading my Bible, speaking in tongues. I went for the interview. The list came. My name was at the top. And when I finally got admission, one of the boys told me, who became my friend later, told me, said the teacher was teaching them, was teaching history. I was teaching them. And then the teacher said, you see that boy there? Then I just come from admission letter. He's coming to your class. He's brilliant. I was on the interview. We asked him questions about French Revolution about it, as if he lived in French. He lived, he lived in France. The, the woman told them that. As if the guy lived in France. The things he said. I, I was sitting down there. They were asking me questions based on inspiration. Just answering them. Just answering them. You see, when the Holy Ghost is the source of your information, we, it flows like something. It's an endless source. The Bible says a wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Father, give us wisdom. Now, now, if the information does not deform your mind, it helps you to interpret things proper. You see, all these things I am teaching you, you are giving interpretation to these things I'm teaching you. It's called understanding. Whatever your mind hears, or your eyes sees, or your body feels, your mind interprets it. Gives an interpretation to it. Okay? Gives an interpretation to it. Based on, inform on an information already stored in your mind. So right now, if I say, let's write examination. Eh? All of us. And the first question is, what is wisdom? The chances are that all of you will give me different answers. Because the 14 wise prescriptions, the 12 wise prescriptions I just gave you, you all have your own interpretation of it based on the information already stored in your mind. 
Some people have even understood it better than me because of the information stored in their mind. Others, eh, if I ask them, what did I teach today? What they will say to me, I'll cry. <laughs> See, so all these things I thought, you didn't understand anything. Okay, so I've just shown you the wise man's ladder to the top, but I'm not going to teach you today. And then show me the next, listen, I'll teach you next week. And then there's the foolish man's ladder to the valley. I will also show you. So next week, I'm teaching you the wise man's ladder to the top and the foolish man's ladder to the valley. I will show you how you can rise from the ashes to the top using wisdom principles. And I will show you how God can give you every opportunity in this world and you will still mess it up and come to nothing. So this is just to tease you for next week. So get ready for the wise man's ladder to the top. When I give you that one, you will see. But this four, 12 prescriptions I have given you, don't joke with it. Live with it. Go back, play this thing over and over, listen to it. Let God give you a revelation out of it. Walk with that revelation and your life will not be the same. Give me a bowls. Let me just pour oil of wisdom into it. And, and, and next week, I will also show you how you can, your life can, you can, you see, the upward spiral of wisdom. I'll show you this. And then the downward spiral of foolishness. I'll show you this. I want to teach you some things. I want to teach you some things that God has laid on my heart. These eight Wednesdays, and your life will not be the same. You, listen, your mind is the greatest gift you have. Foolishness is madness. So don't be a fool. The wisest man, Solomon, I'll teach you next week. How even after God has said, I have given you wisdom, devoted himself to the study of wisdom. You see, when God blesses you, you must manifest that blessing. 